Next step number 613, March 4th, 2020. Hi, this is Susie with In His Shoes Ministries welcoming you to our 12th year of broadcasting, The Next Step with Father Vazgen. Since 2008, we have been producing these podcasts on a weekly basis for those who are seeking practical and deeper applications of their faith and spirituality in their lives today. Blending the most ancient traditions of Armenian Orthodoxy with the challenges of the 21st century, Father Vazgen brings a distinctive and unique voice to the Christian conversation of peace, harmony, and love. Armadoxy is a practical approach to melding spirit and passion in the real world. So turn up the volume and get ready to take the next step. Only in America. Only an American can you imagine this? Walking into a polling booth, voting, and getting a ballot that's all in Armenian. Whoa, I couldn't believe it. Yesterday was Super Tuesday, they call it. It's uh, I think 13 or 14 of the 50 states decide on um, the primary election, who is going to face off in November for the election for president. And a lot of local uh, balloting is done at this election as well. It's the first time in my life that I've voted this early. Uh, California, up until four years ago, I think, uh, was not part of the Super Tuesday group. Uh, We used to vote in June well after many of the positions, the national positions, were already decided. So I think Californians wised up, and I I believe it was about four years ago, we voted on uh, changing our election day from June to March so that we would have a say-so. And yesterday we went to the the ballot and we participated in, in American democracy by voting for, in the primary election, voting for the presidential nominee and as well as um, our local positions. So it was interesting when I got to the polling place, there was a large sign that said vote here and translated into, I believe, nine other languages, one of which was Armenian. It says, so I kvargeld eisdech. Eisdech is nothing to do with ice. Um, it means here. So it means vote here. So and that's where I voted at the eisdech. And um, when I got into the booth, it was just interesting because we have a new system now with uh, iPad devices, and. It makes it so much easier because you can go anywhere in the county and get a ballot that is specific to you based on your ID. And um, anyway, I I don't want to get into the whole election process, but it was just very fascinating for me because one of the choices in balloting was that you could choose to read your ballot in one of the nine languages that were there, one of which was Armenian. Wow, I'm going only in America. Can you walk into a polling booth Practice American democracy and vote for president, vote for your local needs in a language that is that is native to you, that is natural to you. Pretty wild. I'm proud to be part of this country. Anyway, I, uh, that's how we start off today's podcast. And I want to share with you today because this coming Sunday is called the Sunday of the Prodigal. And I have been, it's just been a whirlwind for me. This last few weeks, um, I'm heading out to the desert tomorrow. 
Those of you who have long-time next steppers know the fascination I have with the desert and the spirituality that comes from there. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week in in next week's podcast. But I've been uh, just here and there. It's been a really, really uh, wild ride. And all of a sudden I realized that, hey, we're up against the second Sunday of Lent, which is my favorite. I think that if uh, if nothing else survived from the time of Christ, like let's say every manuscript, every story about him, every writing was destroyed somehow, somewhere along the way. And the only thing that remained was the story of the prodigal son. It would be enough to understand what Christ's message was about. And with that in mind, what I want to do is I want to play for you a podcast that I did a few years ago. Let's see, it's uh, in 2017, actually. Actually, you know what? It was the first year that we had the Reclaim Conference, and it was a week off of the Reclaim. Anyway, it is um, it is called Refocus, Return, and Reclaim. And what I did is I, I broke up the, the prodigal son story in such a way that I think it's worth repeating. So, um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to share that with you. Maybe we can add to that. Re-listen to refocus, return, and reclaim. Okay, how's that? It is episode number four fifty-seven, and like I said, I think it's just an important story that you cannot repeat enough because it really gives you the gist of what Christ was all about. Here it is. To share with you the story of the prodigal son and my favorite, my favorite portion of it. When his money ran out, so did his friends. This is one of the most incredible stories that Jesus preaches, that he tells a parable of the prodigal son. And in the Armenian church, we, we remember each of the Sundays of Lent with a unique name. This particular Sunday happens to be the Sunday of the prodigal, the prodigal son, the lesson of loss and finding. And I want to share with you some thoughts because I say it's probably the the most, most incredible of all of his parables because you can find something to, to talk about every occasion in life. And everybody will pick out something that is very unique, something that touches them in a unique way. Just about a month ago, I um, was with one of our elderly ladies. She, um, I, one of the parishioners at uh, St. Peter, where I used to serve for the last 13 years. And um, she was talking about the effect and how profound these messages are. And she's, I, I consider her as my best um, customer quote unquote, because <laughs> she was there every morning at, you know, before the services started. And we used to begin our prayers together. And she shared with me a, an interesting um, little personal incident. And I, I do want to share it with you. I don't think it's a breach of confidentiality, particularly because nobody knows who she is. I'm not using names, right? <laughs> anyway, um, she shared a story that why she was so touched, why she kept on coming back and back to the church. She said there was something that she heard once in a sermon and it made her drop everything and go after those broken relationships that she had. 
and tried to fix them. And she realized how easy it was to fix those relationships. Just with a simple call, with a simple, I'm sorry, just with a simple, I love you, I'm here. And again, the story of the prodigal gives us all of those unique uh, examples of love. I want to read to you the entire story first, and then we're going to start going into it. Like I said, we all have little beautiful parts that we relate to. My favorite part is when his, when, when his money ran out, so did his friends. And so I looked for that part this morning, and I found that it's not even in the scriptures. It was something true, isn't it, right? When things are good, you have friends. When you when things are running smoothly and, you know, you got money, you got friends. But, whoa, watch out when you don't. You don't have those friends. Or so you think you don't, right? Well, think again. Because when you have God on your side, really those, those friends are important, very important in life. But you know what? There's a perspective. There's a way that you put them all together. Let me share with you the story of the prodigal son. It comes to us from the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. And Jesus says, There was once a man who had two sons. And the younger said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property. So he divided his estate between them. A few days later, the younger son turned the whole of his share into cash and left home for a distant country where he squandered it in reckless living. He had spent it all when a severe famine fell upon the country and he began to feel the pinch. So he went and, atta- so he went and attached himself to one of the local landowners who sent him on to his farm to mind the pigs. He would have been glad to fill his belly with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. Then he came to his senses and said, How many of my father's paid servants have more food than they can eat? And here am I, starving to death. I will set off and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son. Treat me as one of your paid servants. So he set out for his father's house. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and his heart went out to him. He ran to meet him, flung his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, fetch a robe, my best one, and put it on him, and a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us have a feast to celebrate this day. For this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And the festivities began. Now the elder son was out on the farm, and on his way back, as he approached the house, he heard music and dancing. 
He called one of the servants and asked, What is this? What is meant by this? The servant told him, Your brother has come back home, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he, because he has him back safe and sound. But he was angry, and he refused to go in. His father came out and pleaded with him. But he retorted, You know how I have slaved for you all these years. I never once disobeyed your orders, and you never gave me so much as a kid for a feast with my friends. But now that this son of yours turns up, after running through your money with his women, you kill the fatted calf for him? My boy, said the father, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. How could we help celebrating this happy day? Your brother here was dead and has come back to life, was lost and is found. That's the story of the prodigal son. Prodigal, somebody who squanders what he has, who wastes it in reckless living. That's only one character in this whole story, isn't it? The younger son. There are so many dynamics at play. The father, the older son. And these are the areas that we're going to be looking at today in this very special Lenten edition of The Next Step. I'm sharing with you my favorite parable, a parable that talks on many, many levels, on multiple levels. And though we'll talk today, I guarantee there will be other levels that you will find in this. By the way, this particular reading that I just did is from the New English Bible. Um, this I don't know if this is even available. I'm, I'm sure it's available in libraries. I don't know if it's available in print anymore. This was a, a translation done in the United Kingdom. The language is a little bit more European, a little bit more English, proper English. And um, it was a Bible that I used pretty intensely, I guess, back in the 70s. It's over 45 years old. It was my study Bible that I would use in seminary and college. And it's pretty, it's seen its days. I mean, it's it's in nice form. Let's see if we could take a picture. Maybe I'll share that with you too, or maybe we can make it into the cover. <laughs> but uh, this is the New English Bible um, uh, translation of the story. And if you read it in different forms, and uh, you know, my, my preference would be if you read it in the new revised standard version, you'll see that it basically talks about the same story. And that's what we're going to be looking at. So why don't you get your Bibles out? It's uh, Luke chapter 15. And we'll go through it right now in a few minutes, right after the song of the day. We'll go through each of the characters, each of the points, and um, it'll get us prepped up for the Sunday of the Prodigal. Right now, about coming home, this is one of my favorites. Enjoy. Thank you. 
appropriately called home. Home, yeah. For the Prodigal Son broadcast, right? Home, that is by Haig Yuzjan. That is off of an album called Beast on the Moon. I remember seeing that in, in theater, actually, in actual proper theater as a play. It was very, very touching and... Um, that was off of the soundtrack. Home. I will have a link on today's show notes. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, the artist, Haigyazjan. Okay, now that we got the mechanics out of the way, how about talking about the spiritual, about what this means to us today? The story of the prodigal son, the story of the wayward son, the story of the son who squanders what his father has given him. Story comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 and on. And I, I want to say, I will even go out on this, okay? I will just tell you this, of course, personal, and who cares about it, <laughs> if you want to believe it or not. But I would go on and venture to say, if nothing else, nothing else survived history, survived and came to us today, except for this one story, you would understand completely the Jesus story. You would understand fully what the Christian message is all about. No Bible, nothing else, just this one story, and we were told that Jesus said this story. I think this is the most profound expression of God's love, expression of our inner relationships with one another and what it means to be a Christian. So let's look at the story, okay? So there was once a man who had two sons, and the younger said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property. So he divided his estate between them. Now, let's look at that younger son. What is that? Now, first of all, it talks about youth. It talks about, um, about some of the joys of youth about the carefreeness of youth, that it's just given to you, right? It's it's a very special blessing. And if you've had that blessing to be able to enjoy a youth, uh, you know how carefree it is. And so, too, this, this is a very irresponsible act, right? Father, give me my property. Hey, I know you're rich. I know you have a lot of money. Why don't you give me my inheritance now? What are you going to do? Wait until you die? Why don't you give it to me right now? And, you know, many good parents, I don't blame them. I'm, I'm like that too. You don't want to. You don't want it to just be given away after you die. You want to see your kids enjoy it. Of course you do. And there it is. The father says, "Okay, here is half of your money." But let's look at it on the spiritual plane too. What is it with us? Look at all the goodness that God gives us. And what do we say? Give us our fair share. God says, "Here you go. Okay, take it. This is your share. You've been born." You have these inalienable rights. Go out there, enjoy. Enjoy everything you have. And it says, A few days later, the younger son turned the whole of his share into cash and left home for a distant country. Well, think about it, right? What do we have in our lives? We have all this goodness that God gives us on many different dimensions, on many different planes, right? Right? 
He gives us good health. He gives us um, the the patience that we want. He gives us the strength that we want. There's many, many different dimensions to what the goodness that God gives us. And what do we do? We usually cash it in. We bring it down to a very common denominator and say, okay, got this goodness now. Let's deal with it. Let's go for it. And so does this son. He goes out there and he goes for it. And he goes to a distant country. Why there? Well, you know, it's always the grass is greener, right? Isn't that just human nature? The grass is always greener on the other side. Just always is going to be nicer. Hey, I'm like that too, you know. I mean, like, I am get so fed up with living in the city and the traffic and the smog and everything. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't dream of something greener on the other side until you you get out there and you say, okay, and, and what is there to do out here besides just look up every night? Well... It takes it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of strength, and it takes a different personality. I remember several years ago when I was um, just going to be assigned to a parish, and there was a couple of different parishes that the archbishop had talked to me about, and one of them was in a farming community. And you know, to me, wow, that was wild. That would be exciting to go to a farming community and you know, like start and wake up in the morning and hear the cows and the the chickens and uh, wouldn't that be great and a, a more simpler life until I talked to one of my friends who was actually from the Fresno area worked on one of the farms. He says, "Do you know what a farm life is like?" He said. Uh, <laughs> He, he said, it's not that romantic life that you guys all think about. He says, what happens when you when you have a cow that's lame and you have to put it down? You realize that you have to put it out. You have to put it out of its mystery. Do you know that um, these these areas, these uh, feed bins, they're infested with mice. I mean, you guys in the city, just you, you, you go crazy if you have to put up a mouse trap. I mean, imagine when there's a whole slew of mice or rats that are walking around and things like that. He said, you're going to get up every morning at four or five in the morning and you're going to be working out there. And I says, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there is a romance to that farm life, but that romance goes away when you have to live that farm life. So too with that other country. Going away to another country, a distant country, where you can live as you wish. That is one of the, that is one of the young people things, right? It's to, to be on your own and live like I wish. And so he goes to a distant world, a distant country. And what does scripture say? He squanders his father's inheritance on reckless living. Now, in these few words, this is the sin of the prodigal son. This is the sin that he had. What did he do wrong? What is the prodigal about? What is that squandering about? This is it. He was given something, and instead of using it, he squanders it. He wastes it. Wasteful, reckless living. The father had given him uh, 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 his inheritance, his property. He cashes it in for cash and he goes and he spends it on and recklessly. Now, again, look at it on spiritual plane. Look at it, reflect on it as you yourself. What does God give us? The goodness that God gives us. And what do we do? We squander that. We are reckless. 
whether it's it's smoking, taking drugs, whether it's the weight that we gain, whatever we do, we have been given a beautiful set of circumstances, but we lose control of those circumstances because our focus is out of gear or perhaps because we want to attribute it to the youth. The discipline is gone. I remember my father told me this story about a a young man who asks for his inheritance, asks his father for his, um, for his inheritance. And the father says, sure, I'd be happy to give it to you. And he takes him out to the beach and he gives him a gold coin and he says, toss this into the water. And the son tosses in the water. Father says, okay, we'll talk about when you can get your inheritance. A few years later, the the son remembers again. And he says, Dad, I want my inheritance. Give it to me now. And uh, the the dad says, okay, let's go to the beach. And uh, he takes uh, a gold coin. He says, toss it in the water. And the guy says, sure. Tosses it in the water. And the dad says, okay, there'll be a day that'll come when I can give it to you. Finally, the kid uh, goes out there and he he works and he sweats away and he 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 makes a living for himself doing odd jobs, this and this and that. And finally, he says, "Okay, you know, like this is crazy. I got to get my dad's inheritance. Dad, will you give me your your my inheritance?" Dad says, absolutely, let's go to the beach. And the kid goes, oh, we're going to do this stupid thing again. And they go to the beach over there. And uh, the father this time doesn't reach into his own pocket, but asks the kid, says, okay, now reach into your pocket, pull out a gold coin and toss it. And the kid goes, no way. I had to work for this gold coin. He says, okay, now, now you're ready. That was a story my dad used to tell me, and I love it. Because, yeah, when you have to work for it, When it's not given to you, there is a degree of discipline that is put on your actions. There is a way that you look at life differently and you have a value to that life. A very special, special story that fits inside of this one, right? The young guy had this inheritance that was just given to him and what did he do? He squandered it. Just like, you know, who cares? I'm going to just use it. And... It is depleted. So now that it's depleted, okay, what happens now? He had spent it all when a severe famine fell upon that country, and he began to feel the pinch. There's a little bit of English wording, right? He began to feel the pinch. Yeah, he did. Okay, now there's a famine. There's no food. Unless, you know, he's able to find it from someplace. And he felt it. He felt it. No more money. No more friends. You know, when you have the money, you got the friends who'll say, hey, come on, I'll help you out. But no, hey, nobody cares about you. It's over. And it says over here, so he went and attached himself to one of the local landowners. In other words, got a job with a a local uh, businessman, landowner, who sent him on to his farm to mind the pigs. He would have been glad to fill his belly with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. Okay, so it is basically, it's saying that, you know, when it rains, it pours. When you are hungry, you are definitely hungry. You're looking for anything that looks good. And certainly he was feeding the pigs. And he says, this food that I'm feeding the pigs looks good to me. And that's when he came to his senses. So when is it that we come to our senses? 
Think about it, okay? It's it's usually things are going pretty good. We forget about God. We forget about who we are, what we are, about that spiritual quest that we have in our lives. But when things get really bad, that's when we start thinking about these items. I had a, I heard a preacher the other day. I had to turn him off because I was kind of like very turned off by the guy and, and literally turned him off when after I was listening to him. He said basically that all people are bad. He said, just think about it. He said, people are born bad. They have to learn the the right things to do. He says, you learn manners. You learn the right things to do. If you don't learn those things, you, you're you naturally just a bad person. And it got me into thinking, wow, what a way to express yourself. But in a very real sense, too, what happens is, just, to me, actually, just the opposite, right? We are all good. We have the goodness within us. But as we deplete, as we get farther and farther away by our own choice. Now, whose choice was this? Who made this choice to squander what he had? I mean, technically, the young boy, if he had just taken the the father's property, right, set himself up, he could have lived okay, been happy, and I guess that wouldn't be a story, but Jesus turns it around and says, okay, he squandered it, but who squandered it? He did, of his own choice, and that's the sin, as I said a few minutes ago, that's the sin that he had. You know, it wasn't that it was wasted on women, it wasn't that he took the money and he gambled with it. These sins about women, gambling, uh, booze, drugs, whatever it is, these are just basically the manifestations of the sin. The sin is taking what you have and squandering it, wasting it, taking your life that you have and wasting it. Remember the story of the talents that Jesus always talks about. It's about the guy who takes that risk and 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 takes what he has and enjoys it and multiplies it. But the person who is afraid is the one who is squandering the one who doesn't do anything except to keep it. And that's what this guy had done. That's what his sin was. He squandered it. Well, why? Because he had kept it for himself. He had just kept it and let me just look after my enjoyment. Physical pleasures, enjoyment, laughter. And now it was gone. And he was at that point where he had to figure this out. He had to figure it out. And he and he figures it out this way. He says, then he came to his senses and said, how many of my father's paid servants have more food than they can eat? And here am I starving to death. I will set off to go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son. Treat me as one of your paid servants. Okay, this is the day of reckoning. This is when he understands This is when he comes to his senses and he realizes, hey, there is a better life. And we've all come to this point. It's the breaking point. It's the enough moment. In whatever whatever situation you're at, it's the enough moment where you say, enough is enough. I need to do something about it. And we in church call this repentance. We call this the time at which you turn around. You do a 180. You're going in one direction and you say, this is the wrong direction I'm going in. I'm going to be turning around. This is, in every true sense of the word, repentance. Turning away from where you're going. And he comes to that point. He says, I'm going to repent. Now listen, this is where the beauty of this story is. Because that's all that's necessary. That is all that is necessary. It is that point of repentance. For you to understand how great God is. For you to understand 
what you have left behind, for you to understand what you have lost. And coming to that realization, that's the point of repentance. It's not, it's not getting back to your father, but it's the idea that you have made that decision. And certainly that's where the story goes, right? The son has made up that his point. He says, so he set out to his father's house, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and his heart went out to him and he ran out to meet him, flinged his arms around him and kissed his son. Note, note that the father comes out while the kid's on his way back home. It's, you know, Jesus could have said the kid made it to the house. He got down on his knees and the father looked at him and said, what do you want? And the son said, I have sinned against you. And then the father says, okay, open up the door and bring him in now. No, the father comes out. The father comes out and meets him on the road. Think about this, our repentance. It's not about actually going back, but that action to decide to go back. Because once you decide that you're going in the wrong way and you need to get back, that's at the point that God says, okay, come to me. Why? Well, think about it in just geometric terms, right? I said the 180. You are going away from God. You can't see God. He could see you, but he's seeing the back of you walking away. Now, when you make that 180 and you turn back and you say, okay, I'm going back home. I'm going back that way. What happens? All of a sudden, you're eye to eye with your maker. God sees you. You're coming back home. That's all it takes. And the father comes running out. And he embraces him. He kisses him. And the son barely has enough time to say the words. You know, father, I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father doesn't even let him to finish a sentence. The father says to his servants, quick, go fetch me a robe, my my best one. The robe, right? The symbol of, uh, of the family. He says, get him the ring, the symbol of authority. Get the fatted calf, the symbol of, of, of celebration. We're going to go for the best. We're going to have a party. We're going to enjoy ourselves. And so here in these dynamics, there's a few dynamics that we need to be aware of. One is our return back to the Father. The second one is many times we are cast in the position of the Father. People who have wronged us, people who have done evil to us, who realize it. They come to that point of reckoning and they turn back. And now we have to be in this willing position to accept them back. That's a difficult one. The role of the father is a difficult one. I sometimes think about, you know, in our in our own immediate life, the relationships that we have. What do we do? We put people through ringers. Let them come. Let them kneel before me. Let them say they are sorry. We want to see them squirm. They did wrong. I'll get even with them. We've got vendettas to, to, to settle. No, the father doesn't even go for any of that. He sees the son turning back. He sees the good intentions of the son. And he goes out and he runs. How much more we should be able to see one another in this light. To understand that we all make mistakes in life. We all do wrong things. All of us. There isn't a person who hasn't done a mistake, right? And when you turn back, you need to be able to be like that loving father. 
to be able to take back that person, to say that, okay, come to me. Here are my loving arms. I accept you. And the father does exactly that. The celebration, it's a great one, right? The celebration, wow. Why? The father says it. This my son was lost, and now he's found. Even greater, he was dead, right? When he was in a foreign land, you didn't see him or anything. He was dead. But now he's alive. The story of the prodigal son would be beautiful if it ended right there. But there's another dynamic to it, too. Basically, the elder brother, the older brother. Now, he's away from all this action. All he knows, or think about the older brother, all he knows are what? My brother took his money, his portion. My father had this big pot of money. Half of it goes to him, and the other half is supposed to come to me. But I haven't asked for my half, so it's just sitting in a pot, which we call the father's pot. My brother took his money, and he's just out there gambling and and uh, being with women and drinking and abusing himself in every which way possible and calling that happiness. But you know what? I'm going to sit here because this is my path. This is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm supposed to be. And all of a sudden, word gets to him that, hey, you remember that fatted calf? You remember that party you were looking forward to doing? It's already happening. There's a lot of merriment going on at your father's place. And he says, what's going on over there? And the servant says, oh, your father has killed the fatted calf. Your father is having a party because your brother has come back. Now think about it in the terms of the older brother. Isn't this guy most like you and me? Out of the three characters in this story, isn't he the one most like you and me? Right? It's the bad people who are getting the good given to them. Right? You always see this. And you wonder, what? What, what is this? Where? How come the good people don't get their reward? But it's the bad people who seemingly get even better things. My brother, he took everything that he had and he went to a distant land and he and he wandered it. Reckless living. And now he's back and there's a party for him? I'm sorry, folks. In my time, my parents weren't like this. If you did something wrong, there was a punishment for it. My brother, he did something wrong. Where's the punishment? Okay, he's come back. I expect my father to be out there. Maybe put him, maybe treat him like a servant for a few years at least. Maybe uh, do something to him. Okay, you don't have to be all the way out there. You don't have to slam the door in his face, but maybe give him a, a cot in the barn and let him tend to the pigs. And then after a few months, we can start negotiating like you're coming back. But no, the father put him right back into the right the place where he, he left off. Why? <laughs> doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. I've been good all along. And he goes and tells the father, he says, look at me. I have been, I've been your faithful son. You've got two sons. This guy wasted everything you have. I've been... The guy who's been working. I've been right next to you. 
When you needed help, you came to me. When you needed somebody to pick up mom, I was there to pick up mom. When you need somebody to do the taxes, I was the one who took the papers and took the taxes in. When you needed somebody to talk to, and even though I was really tired and you brought me in at night and you started lecturing and I didn't want to hear it, I just kept my eyes open because I wanted to be faithful. I wanted to be respectful to you, my father. You didn't even give me a lousy, stinking little party. You didn't even give me a small little kid, a, a goat, to slaughter and have a party. A stinking party. And here, this son of yours, this so-called son of yours, quote-unquote, he goes and takes everything you have and he, he squanders it. And you're giving him this party and, and the father just looks at him. And he gives the words of our Heavenly Father. Everything I have. Remember the Father's pot? Everything I have is yours. That's your inheritance. Everything I have is yours. But this your son. This your brother. He was lost. Now he's found. He was dead. And now he's alive. Isn't that a reason for rejoicing? Now the parable ends right there. Jesus doesn't go on to say that the the older son like got happy, put on a party hat and went out there and everything. It just ends there because that's the point of the story. The information has been given. It's a question of being lost and found. It's a question of dying and coming back to life. And so too in our lives, we go through many of these expressions, if not all of these different expressions that are found in the prodigal son. It explains the fullness of God. It explains how much God loves us to the point that we can turn back. It explains the idea of complete forgiveness, total forgiveness, not partial forgiveness, but complete. It explains why some people seemingly are better off than other people. But in the end, if you look at it, the true the true measure of, of that wealth is given to you already. God has given you that beauty, that life, that, that goodness that is inside. And all these other things are just tangible things that are here today and gone tomorrow. And yeah, they're fun things. There's a lot of things that create excitement, but they're not real. They're here today, gone tomorrow, as is a testament by the friends, as is a testament by what happens to him. When they're gone, it's all gone. Now, the story is the story of the prodigal son. If you look at it, it's inside of a chapter in which Jesus, actually several chapters, uh, starting from Luke 13 or 14, you'll read on. And I encourage you during this Lenten season, read these parables. But uh, in this particular chapter, you'll see about the story of the lost coin. It's all about losing and finding. It's about being reborn. It's about reclaiming what you have. Each of us in this lifetime is given all of the elements necessary to make it in this lifetime. We lose it. We squander it. And there's a point at which you turn back and you say, I'm going to reclaim what is rightfully mine. Reclaim what the Father has given me. And that's why this particular weekend we're going to be 
having an incredible conference called Reclaiming, Embracing Our Faith in This Changing World. here again. Before continuing with today's broadcast, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that this podcast is made possible through your prayers and generous donations. Since 2008, we have been providing quality programming through podcasts, educational videos, and streams using technology's most current resources. The message of Armenian Orthodoxy is giving people an intelligent and practical answer to many of life's difficulties, including the challenge to bring peace to a hurting world. To become part of this dynamic ministry, please take a moment now to visit InHisShoes.org website and press on the Donate button. Your encouragement goes a long way. Please accept our heartfelt appreciation. Thanks for listening and God bless. We now return to this week's Next Step with Father Vosgen. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. A little bit different. And uh, for me, it was an opportunity to refresh and remind ourselves what it's all about. That was episode number 456, 57, excuse me. Another prime number like today's, right? Today's is 613, yeah. Yeah, two primes. Wow, that's pretty cool. Anyway, um... I am around this week. I'm going to be out in uh, the desert. I'm going to be at St. Opgar Armenian Church uh, Sunday morning. Looking forward to worshiping with that community there. And I want to remind you that Wednesday evenings, if you happen to be in the Los Angeles area, I'm at the St. Leon Cathedral where I give a special Lenten series called uh, One Basic Word Every Week. And let's see, we did, uh, last night we did uh, peace. The week before we did the word sin. So looking forward to next week. If you happen to be out that way, please do stop by. But most importantly, if you can get out to Burbank on uh, February 13th and 14th, that's next weekend, uh, we have Reclaim Conference. And it's Reclaim Etchmiadzin. And we're basing it on the words of His Holiness Kodak in the first of blessed memory, who said, Etchmianzin is mission. It is not just mortar and stone. It is mission. And and that's what probably um, is the most important thing that we can talk about within the church, is taking the mission beyond the buildings that we have and understanding that there is a mission. It's Christ's mission. So that is a two-day conference. I highly recommend it. If you can get out to Burbank, I'll have a link on today's show notes. If you don't want to read the link, it's embracing faith com. Just go there and register. Hey, it's a quickie, and we'll have you in and out in a few minutes, and you'll, you, you're just in for a great time. Anyway, um, and, and a healing time. Let me say it that way. Spiritually healing time. It's important. Um, all right, we are off to the desert. I want to thank you for joining us today. hope you enjoyed today's show, and it gave you a lot of food for thought as well. Uh, you can get in touch with us. I'm at feedback at epostle.net and of course we're on all the socials on behalf of the wonderful crew who put today's show together Susie who is out in Europe and Ken who is sitting across from me this is Father Vosken inviting you to join us again next week when we will take the next step 
And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian Church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian Orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskulledness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. Demandment and production crew of epostle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience. Not valid with any other offer. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens.